Hi, this is John Barber from IDW Publishing. You are listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. You've just jumped inside the pull bag. Join TFG1 Mike and the rest of the comic reading crew here at the GCRN as they make their great escape into comics. From DC, Marvel, IDW, Boom Studios, Xenoscope, and more, we have everything you want to read right here. Transformers comics? Yeah, we cover that. He-Man? Yeah, sure. DC superheroes like Batman, Batgirl, Nightwing, and Batman Beyond? Yep, we have those too. How about TMNT from IDW and I Hate Fairyland from Image Comics? Yeah, we have all that here. Plus, so much more. It's all inside the pull bag here on the GeekCast Radio Network. So without any further ado, it's time to talk about the comics we are reading right now here inside the pull bag. To all one. Hello and welcome to the pull bag. This is episode 320. Yes, that's right. And we are continuing on here in Autobotly, August 2018 with us here inside the pull bag on all things Transformers brought to you by the GeekCast Radio Network. That's a mouthful. I am, of course, TSU and Mike. Joining me is that um, Nightbeat person. It is Ryan the Uneven Flow Merkley. Hello, sir. It seems like you wanted to come up with something funny or entertaining yeah, and well. then just failed miserably and uh-huh. just introduced me as normal. That's mm-hmm. uh, impressive. Mm-hmm. Or unimpressive. Yeah, um, I was being sarcastic. Anyway. That's just the way you are. So... Alright folks, so far here in Autobotly August, if you have been listening, if you haven't, what the hell are you waiting for? Um, we've done Windblade, Distant Stars, Till All Are One Volume 1, and Transformers vs. G.I. Joe Volume 1. Last episode, Steve and I celebrated 10 years of all things Transformers, and now Ryan and I are continuing our journey with the John Barber and James Roberts written series from IDW. They hit, were... Um, Basically rebranded after More Than Meets the Eye and uh, Robots in Disguise or just Transformers since they had that cartoon series uh, ended. And they're now Optimus Prime and Lost Light respectively. Respectively. Um, Actually, it'd be Lost Light and Optimus Prime respectively, but anyway. Whatever. Uh, Yeah, and the other interesting thing is since we recorded the Lost Light and XRID, or the Transformers podcast, is the series and the entire universe, in fact, for IDW, has an end date. That doesn't happen often, and it's, it sounds, uh, it's, it's kind of weird that it's happening. Uh, in the one sense, I am dreading it, because I don't know what they're going to relaunch with, and I've really enjoyed this chapter in particular of IDW stuff, essentially the last stand of the records through now. Right. And so I'm sad to see it end. On the other hand, uh, it doesn't happen often in comics. It's kind of nice. And to be honest, it actually makes it easier, I think anyway, to recommend to people, especially ones who aren't necessarily Transformer fans, because it doesn't require the same commitment. So I think we've had this discussion before, but say I told you to get into reading X-Men. <laughs> yeah, it's going to go on for a little while now. Or, you know, you could use, you know, Batman, because next year is 80 years of Batman. Yeah. I'm like, 80 years of Batman? Where the hell do I start? Obviously, there are specific starting points in Batman, not just Bruce Wayne, but like Batman Beyond. 
right wing. In fact, yeah. in the Bat family, there are specific things you can't read. You don't have to read 80 years worth of comics. No, and even if you went into more recent stuff, so let's, uh, for as an example of something that's really popular, Walking Dead. Walking Dead is still going. There's It shows no signs of ending, and it's already in excess of, uh, I believe they're closing in on 30 trades now. That's a huge commitment, and I feel like it's easier, especially for this era, yeah, it's still about 30 trades, but you know there's an ending, and with the other books that I mentioned, I mean, it'll probably never happen to Batman or X-Men, Right. but although God knows they tried with X-Men, <laughs> with Fox owning the rights, they really tried to kill them off, yep. but... Uh, no, it's probably never going to happen, and I think a lot of people, or at least people who aren't used to comics, like having an ending, so it's kind of interesting that this is one series that does have a finite end, it seems like. So, and, I, and I said that to somebody somewhere uh, recently, within the last couple of months, about the IDW Transformers Universe's ending, and someone was like... Ah, ha, 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 ha. And next thing you're going to tell me is Superman dies or something, or Superman stays dead, or Uncle Ben stays dead or something. And I'm like, no, really. They're ending the universe, and they're start, they still have the Transformers license. They're going to do other Transformers things. But for the last 13 years, this incarnation is coming to an end. And we don't know how the hell it's going to end. Yeah, and I kind of like the idea of, I really hope it's not a Marvel and DC-esque soft reboot. I think if they're going to end things off, or say they're going to, they should actually do it. Mm -hmm. And I've said it before, this has really become my era of Transformers. It's been my favorite, despite growing up with G1, reading all the old Marvel and Marvel UK comics... Beast Wars, which is fantastic, etc., etc. They've been all these different eras, but I really think I enjoy this one the most, and I'm okay with it ending. I mean, there's 13 years of books, and despite the fact that some of it's not good, uh, for example, I don't own any of the... Oh, now I can't... Run. Thank you. I couldn't even remember <laughs> his name. Mike Costa, <laughs> which is weird, by the way, because Costa's actually a good writer. I should mention that at some point. But he just never really got Transformers. So I don't have that. Uh, I do have the stuff that started off the universe, Simon Furman's work, which I generally enjoyed. But it's been the last few years of yeah. Barber overseeing everything, Roberts being one of the writers. And you mentioned Windblade and the others, which, oof, I mean, when Windblade until All Are One were starting up, I remember thinking... We don't need a third Transformer series. This is too much. Then I started reading it, and holy cow, I've essentially become a fan for life of Margaheed Scott's writing. Yeah, Margaret is awesome. Yeah, she's fantastic. And I've gone on, I've read other stuff she's done since Transformers, and she's a great writer, so I was completely wrong about that. Uh, Roberts came from Transformers fan fiction. To <laughs> right more than meets the eye and amusingly enough we're going to talk about somebody today uh uh key kai key no it's kai kai k k zama me pronounce good 
Uh, and Kay Zama, who is the artist on the majority of issues of Optimus Prime, Alex Milne took over for number four. But most of the issues we're going to talk about in this trade were done by her. And she became a fan after Last Stand of the Wreckers and went from that to she's an artist on the series. And she's right. really good. The art, Her art is fantastic. And it's just amusing to me how long this universe now has run that we have so many people who are new to comics who have gone on to do other books. Mm-hmm. And... You know, even John Barber himself did. John Barber has Doctor like, Strange and did, yeah. yeah. But John himself within IDW, oh my God, that guy—he's like this meteoric rise to fame at IDW because he started out as the writer and he's now editor in chief. And his non-IDW stuff is good too. Oh, I enjoyed his stuff yeah, on Doctor Strange. Yeah. Uh, I thought his Doctor Strange and and the Punisher miniseries was fun. And it's just interesting that he got the chance to go outside of IDW while he was still writing and really doing everything for them. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I know she's going to be the new writer. I don't know how long it's going to last, but Marigrid is taking over Batgirl at issue 25 at DC. And she's writing the and she's writing the new Marvel animated cartoon series, yep, featuring Squirrel Girl and yep. uh, Kamala Khan as yep. Miss Marvel, yes, which actually looks really good. And like yeah. I said before, she's I'm just much like some of the other writers uh, I really enjoy, like Jason Aaron and Greg Rucka and others. Uh, I she's I'm just a fan for life. Her work is so good, so. Yeah, I'll be following her uh, to Batgirl. Absolutely. Which, to be honest, I've been on and off I get uh, with. The Essentially, it depends on if Gail Simone's writing it. Or... And Gail hasn't written it since the end of the New 52, or when they did that reboot with Cameron Stewart and... Yeah, Brandon and the stuff since and... uh, has certainly not been bad. It's still been solid. Oh, Just, yeah. Uh, I got so many books to follow. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's follow these. Um, Normally we go at least every couple of pages (laughs) through these things, folks. Optimus Prime Volume 1. Now, this is the interesting thing for me. I am currently reading this by trade to do these episodes of the podcast, but I'm also simultaneously reading the end of the universe. Like, right before I read Volume 1, I read Unicron number 2, because it came out when we recorded this. So... It's like, uh, um, flip-flop, flip-flop, but... Well, um, today I read Lost Light 21, so... Yeah, I, I'm, not do, I'm not doing that until I, it, it hits the trade. Um, but I have I just, all the answers now to the mysteries that started at the beginning of the series. There you go. We'll see if I accidentally let any of them slip. No, probably not. <laughs> I so, think we're safe. Optimus Prime Volume 1. I Is feel verbose. Like, yeah. Okay, so... I pulled up our uh, final episode when we did Autobotly April last year, last well, published it May 3rd, but it's supposed to be in April. Last year we did uh, Transformers, One of the Meets the Eye, and Rid Volume 10. Two trades, one podcast, just like we're doing now. Two trades, one podcast, because in this show we'll talk about Optimus Prime Volume 1 and Lost Light Volume 1. I almost feel like I have to go back and listen to this old podcast to figure out where the hell 
Uh, one we of my favorite lines. Prime. I'm going to repeat one of my lines from that podcast that I remember well, and that is, John Barber really likes his words. Yeah, he does. This uh, is and he does very so, wordy. Uh, yeah, to get it out of the way, this is a good book, and I enjoy it a lot. And I think it continues to be, in a lot of ways, Optimus Prime has surpassed Lost Light in the last little bit in terms of quality, especially sort of the last couple arcs, but we'll talk about that when we get to them. Yeah, because this, ar- this arc here feels like, I don't want to say it's a slog, but it was like no it's a commitment and that's what i would say it's good it's enjoyable things kind of click together but you gotta want to sit down and read this entire thing Mm -hmm. and i can't so i don't get optimus prime issue by issue or i didn't through until about 14 then i started i picked it up again but I couldn't imagine reading this issue to issue and not going back and rereading stuff. Yeah. Like, this is, it fits best in trade to me. Yeah, it does. And so part of the reason, and so get into it now, I mentioned already, uh, Akezama's art is incredible. Alex Milne, we've talked about him before, is very good, but Zama's art sort of, it's very stylized, but it works really well. Everyone is ridiculously expressive while still looking like Themselves. a transformer. Yeah, or a giant robot, as in not human. <laughs> and oof. so one of the reasons that this is kind of a commitment, we have an awful lot of flashbacks, and it's interspersed with what's going on now. Mm-hmm. And there's an awful lot of politics, and there's an awful lot of characters and how they relate to one another and their relationships that the book gets into. If I wanted to sum up the entire thing, it's actually pretty easy, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just say the Junkions arrive on Earth, which Optimus Prime has taken under his wing as one of Cybertron's colonies. And Earth joins the Council of Worlds uh, very slowly in this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to the point that we don't actually see the end of it. It's just the beginning of that is is in these books or in this trade. And by the end, the Junkions attack Earth with an army of Sharktacons. They are repelled. I'm not, like... Okay, 13 years. I started at the death of Optimus Prime. So that's where I started, that one shot. And then, as, I, as I've said before, I had two paths. I could go Robots in Disguise, go political, or I could go Lost Light, or I could go both. Or More Than Meets the Eye, whatever. I could go both. And I went both. But see, here's the thing. like The Junkions having control of the Shark Decons, that's... My G1 inner brain is like, ah, what the hell? Where are the Quintessons in this? Uh, we don't know. We've only ever seen them depicted on a mural, which is actually inside Unicron, because the planet was eaten. That's true. Well, the was eaten. 
one well, thing I want to... No, uh, it wasn't Quintessa. It was the planet Wheelie was stranded on, which is... Uh, I can't remember. 117 something or other. Oh, and anyway, level one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Level one. Uh, and it's in, Unicron, or it's in Unicron number two that you see the mur- mural briefly. Okay. Optimus actually remarks on it. <laughs> okay, so before we get too far into this, I know we're only going over the, the finer points, but I have to... I have to talk about the actual trade paperback itself. I have the digital copy through Comicsology.com. I was not. I have not read any of this, either one of these, Optimus Prime or Lost Light. I specifically waited for the trade to do so. Um, I love the way that they put together this trade. The effects, like the first three pages, like after you open it up, it's like more more Transformers from IDW, and it's like this white background with these like scrape marks on the wall. It looks like, and I just I love that design. I think that's super super cool. The print has the same thing, and mm-hmm. then we get the we get a roll call of now and then then. Yep. And oof, that's necessary. Oh yeah, it is because you need to be yeah. able to keep up with all these characters. <laughs> I love how they're not really focusing on Thundercracker and his playwriting abilities anymore. Not until the annual. Oh no! Although it works for that, so that's ways off. <laughs> Trust me, at that point you need some comedic uh, elements. So there's not a whole lot of uh, comedy in this book either, and. You know, they open with they kind of they, they kind of close off a lot ago. of yes, uh, but in terms of present time, they open by kind of closing off the humans, uh, Skywatch, and all of these other ones that have these weapons lying around and everything else kind of get closed off as we get it more into GI Joe as yeah. the book continues. Another thing I think we need to mention is. We, I had, I didn't have like definite plans to do this, but at one point or another, we were going to take a look at at least the Transformers part of the Revolution event from last year. We have not done that. So coming into this, I have not. So coming into this, I'm like, humans, I don't care if it's not even, humans, no. Robots versus other things, great. Robots and humans, not so much. I'll say this right now, the greatest thing about this first volume is the jazz part of the story. I love that part, because we all know he needs to make up for what happened X number of years ago, or whatever on Earth. Way back in the Costa run, yeah, he killed a human. Yeah. And did so in front of cameras. Mm -hmm. And I love what, what Barbara did with him here in this. I think that was one of the coolest parts of this. All of this politicking i get i get it that's what robots in disguise was at first when it, or not rid or whatever you want to call it you know i get that's what it was then and we're going back to that now and i'm just like okay when's a trump transformer gonna come in and optimus cuts his head off or something i wish so there's a bunch <laughs> of relationships that the book focuses on there is optimus prime and Soundwave who have formed a much less uneasy alliance than when we had covered the book previously. Right. Now they seem to kind of be getting along, so that's not really the focal point. There's a lot more of Optimus and Pyra Magna, 
Yeah. Uh, Pyramagna is the leader of the Torchbearers who form Victorion. And they're from a planet which, in general, worships the Primes and the Matrix. Mm-hmm. However, Pyra is very skeptical for reasons that become apparent in a much later trade. <laughs> uh, and she doesn't trust Optimus Prime. And to be fair, Optimus is not the... So... I don't know how to say this nicely. He's so not if, He's not 1984 Optimus, but he's yeah, not favors Optimus say. either. He's not perfect, but he's not movie, angry, kill all the humans Optimus. So he's not the kind of perfect character from the 84 series, which makes sense because, to be blunt, those characters usually end up being kind of boring if you focus on them too long. Uh, it worked in 84 because he was Optimus Prime. There's a there's a disconnect there. Also, I mean, let's be honest, it was a kid's cartoon. Uh, this is not. There's an awful lot more politics. Oh, good lord. Imagine a 1984 episode oh. with this much politicking in it. Oh my god. But anyway. It would uh, basically be... Um, what was that episode? Megatron's master plan with Sean Berger. That's what it would be. So, the main kind of relationship in this, though, that gets covered a lot, especially through the flashbacks, is Jetfire's relationship to everybody. Mm -hmm. In particular, Optimus Prime, although there's a good amount of Prowl in there. And Jetfire, yeah. But it's mostly Jetfire and Prime and... Jetfire and the Autobot cause, and we finally get a lot of his backstory because he was—he's been a character in the universe. I'm trying to remember the first time he was introduced. I remember from some of the spotlights in the background. Yeah. Uh, and if I remember correctly, that's when he was first introduced, so roughly 13 years ago, and he's never been really given much of a background or characterization. He's just kind of been a scientist. And he's a, yeah, he's he's a, a warrior slash scientist. Yeah. <laughs> so they finally get into his backstory here. And it's well done, and I know the purpose is to mirror what's going on currently. The doubts that Prime and his troops have about their course of action the doubts Jetfire has about the course of action, but, uh, uh, I don't know. I almost wish they had just taken an issue and put all the flashbacks in that and kind of gotten that out of the way. Yeah. That's, There's an awful lot of jumping around here. Yeah. And that's one thing I've never, ever liked. It doesn't matter what com. it doesn't matter if it's this comic, doesn't matter if it's a comic from DC. Mar- I do not like I think it works, and we've talked about it before. Frequently, I'm a fan of it, but for a book that's as, like I said before, the word of the day, for a book that's as verbose as this, the jumping around in time periods, I feel like kind of hurts it, or at least it makes it that much more of kind of a commitment to read through. Yeah, it does. It would be easier if it was a little more straightforward. Like I said before, I would consider keeping it to one issue. And it's interesting because later on in the series, that's what Barber does. He essentially does one issue flashback 
to explain everything, to kind of lay everything out for everyone, and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of wish he had done that here. Yeah. Cause... I'm really digging for issues, though. I mean, aside from the... Aside from the overall issue of it being a tough read in terms of, like I said, it's a commitment. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot wrong with this. The characterization, the dialogue, the art, the writing, everything is fantastic. Yeah, it so is. It's just... When I'm commenting on this stuff, it's yeah. it really just goes back to the fact that this isn't a book. It's a book that's important, and I'm happy I have. And I enjoy it. And I couldn't Im imagine my collection without this series. It's really good, and I love the IDW Transformers stuff. But it's not a book I'm going to pick up off my shelf super often to reread. It's yeah, going to no. be when I'm reading the series from start to finish. Right. I'm not going to sit down and flip through this when, you know, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not a, a go-to-the-bathroom type of comic. Um, yeah, I mean, I like certain aspects of it outside of having issues with the whole time jump. And you're right. Hopefully, and you said he does, but... What I wish would have happened was, like, take, um, let's just say each issue has 20, 22 pages worth of story. Let's just say that. It's probably a little bit more than that, but let's just say that's what it is. Take five pages and do the flashback as one part of the story and say, hey, all of this that just happened leads up to what's going, like, the back and forth stuff is just, it's very jarring. It really is. And other than that, though, I love the whole thing. With, I want more Soundwave. Yeah. Mean, we've, we, we, we've had more Soundwave throughout. Barbara the... writes Soundwave, and he writes Starscream almost like no other. Although, yeah. And then Scott came along and really nailed Starscream as well. Yeah. Uh, but oof, this is one of the best Soundwaves I can remember, or at least one of the deepest and most interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this too, going back to our discussion about XRID and the end of, of that series, the Transformers, to now. The human characters, I feel like he's nailed them, or at least I find them a lot less aggravating, with the exception of some of the G.I. Joe characters are kind of your typical, uh, Colton, <clears throat> are kind of your typical uh, I want a war, we're going to blow these guys up. Your military guys that you get in pretty much every cliche action movie that just want to blow shit up and think yeah. the solution to everything is to go to war or starting a war with Iran randomly or... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's but, too real life. Um. No, uh, that was something, <laughs> that's something that's kind of bad, though. I could have done without those cliches. But overall, I found the humans written a lot better and a lot less stereotypical than they were earlier in the series. Because we've seen it before, and we see it in the Transformers movies as well, that, you know, you've got the human that likes the Autobots and knows the difference between them. You've got the human that thinks, oh, all these Transformers can't be trusted. You've got the human with the dark backstory that <laughs> his family was killed by Transformers. Mm -hmm. A transformer ran over his dog. Uh, so I'm I'm much happier to be past that and have actual characters than just 
running stereotypes. And it's something that he nails that, man, so few Transformers comics, uh, even to a certain extent, shows have managed to get through. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know I've seen the classic G.I. Joe cartoon, Real American Hero and all that, but I'm not, I have not read any of the IDW G.I. Joe comics. Was Flint always Marissa's dad? I don't remember that in the original cartoon. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying that because I don't remember it. I'm not saying that that can't be the case here because it obviously is the case here that he is her dad. But I was like, wait, when did that happen? I have no idea. I have about no any idea. Of the like, G.I. Joe familial I know. relations like, or anything at this point. That's that's one of the reasons why I'm I want. Yeah, I watched the original cartoon. I've seen. Uh, I've seen some of the more recent series. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but the one everybody likes that's from probably about oof, probably about seven years or so ago now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I watched that uh, when it aired, and it was really good and that kind of thing, but I couldn't tell you anything yeah, I, about the I, I, I don't know at all. Like, I know the names, and I know what I had seen on the old cartoon, but as far as story-wise, I'm kind of glad and kind of dreading that we didn't do Revolution. I know I know everyone says, oh, Revolution, it's bad, it's horrible, don't, don't read it, don't this, don't... It, it can't be that bad. Uh, it's not that bad. There have been worse books. It's not particularly good, though. Yeah. And something we'll get into later, uh, because this is also... So, these books, the Optimus Prime books, are sort of a lead-in towards First Strike, right. which is another crossover book. And then we also had Rom and all these other characters that get added. Right. Uh, Mask... Which, oof, yeah, that mask uh, relaunch really lasted a long time. <laughs> what was that? Like? It was, I think it was three issues before they canned that. Um, but, yeah, I was in the lead-in, and in the previous series, I was really critical with how the humans were used, and I didn't find them all that interesting. And that characterization continued into Revolution. Here, the characterization is a lot better, to the point that I considered reading First Strike when it came out. I still didn't, because I don't care about most of these non-Transformers characters. Uh, I've read it now. Uh, I stand by my decision. To not <laughs> it's not bad. It's just I'm reading this stuff for the Transformers, and I'm reading it for issues like this, where the relationships, the politics, and everything else are really flushed out. Everybody's three-dimensional. Everybody has multiple reasons for doing what they do and acting the way they act in this series. And when you start jamming all the characters together into a fairly contrived team-up and everything else, you lose that. Roberts actually made fun of it in his Revolution issue, which was hilarious, but very sort of fourth wall breaking. Yeah. I was okay with it though, because uh, I've read enough comic team ups over the years. Yeah, I mean Roberts uh, always breaks the fourth wall. Though I mean that guy's sure. basically tearing down the fourth wall every single time. Um, yeah, Optimus Prime Volume One. Even though I felt a little lost 
in it. I did enjoy it. As, as I said earlier, I enjoyed it for a lot of the relationship stuff, more so like Optimus and Soundwave, and seeing Soundwave's point of view in all of this. Um, holy hell, seeing Rumble and Frenzy again, and they actually got the colors right this time. Yeah, and we get more of uh, their relationship with Cosmos as well, who's... Mm-hmm. That was really cool. He's been kind of forgotten about for a little while. Uh, yeah, it's... I think this is a book... Or it's a trade where everyone's going to find at least an element or two to latch onto, or that they like, or a relationship that's entertaining, or something. It's just, it's well done, but like I said, it's not something you're going to sit down and decide to read in a, a few minutes. <laughs> not a few minutes, a few few hours. Maybe. I don't even know if you would sit down and read this in an afternoon. I, I'm um, not sure I'd want to blast through it without a break or two. I took breaks, but I basically blasted through it in less than 18 hours. Yeah. I don't, I just, that was I don't mainly know if I so was... we could do this episode of the podcast. Yeah. It wasn't like... You see, that's the thing. Like You, this is the difference between us. You're mostly reading I'm doing that too, but I'm also wanting to have it fresh in my mind for the podcast because I've got so much going on in in my real life at this point that remembering a full six issues or five issues of a comic, you know, if I read it a day before I'm supposed to record, I'm like, I won't remember any of that. That's one of the reasons why half the time when we do episodes... I've been busy too. No, no, I know, I know. (laughs) I'm not saying, I'm saying... It's more about my memory, not about the fact that I'm busy. It's more about my memory is mush. So that's why I end up going page by page or this and this and this. And I know we couldn't do that with this because it is... We'd be here all month. Yeah, we'd be here all month. Um, But... (laughs) It would be Autobotly August 2019. Exactly. Um, This is a good series though and before we move on and before we rate it i did Mm -hmm. want to point out too the lettering again is done by tom long and in a book with this much words and everything else he continues to do just i still think he does the best job in all of comics with the lettering he has so many more characters than most books have to work with on a monthly basis he does more than one book and just everything is always clear and it's fairly rare considering the word count on this that there are errors there are certainly errors but it's foof i mean if i did it and i'm to english major uh if i did it oh <laughs> it would not turn out this well no uh, he's really good and i want to point out too the colors are done by josh bircham who I think we've mentioned before, also oh, does yeah. a fantastic job. Love Josh. Uh, I should mention, too, the coloring in this. Uh, there is... It's almost sort of a theme. Like, it's very brightly colored, yet everything kind of matches, too, at the same time. It's hard to describe. Everything kind of comes together and just works really well in this series with the art, though. Everyone works well together. It does, but at the same time, I felt that a lot of the art in this, a lot of the colors in this, like, were darker. Yeah, it's like hard to explain, though. So the it, backgrounds are generally pretty bright. 
Right. I guess it's one way to say it. And then the coloring on a lot of the Transformers is a bit muted, but they still look so distinct from the background that everything just kind of pops in a way that, you know, for example, we've mentioned that Livio's art is generally on the darker side, but certain elements sort of pop out, like the eyes and that kind of thing. But it feels like everything pops out on this, despite it still being darker. And yeah, and I think the thing with Livio's art, and we can talk about this all day long, but I think the thing with his art, though, is I don't know this. I'd love to be able to talk to the guy and ask him about this, but I he think he replies he, to us. So yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah, he will. Um, uh, uh, damn it, uh, he in my mind after seeing a lot of the stuff that he's done over the last 13 years with these these books and whatever, at least since 2012 with, with the current stuff. His style is fully ensconced in G1 as far as like the style and certain aesthetics of the robots, but also the, the design of the art. It, like, you look at, like, say, Jack Lawrence's art in Lost Light issue one or volume one or whatever, you know, and it's, it reminds me a lot of G1 stuff. It reminds me a lot of other, you know, other Transformers stuff or whatever. You look at, at the art here in Optimus Prime with Zama, and it, it's, I don't want to say dirty, but it's more rough looking at times. It's cer- certainly a part of the action shots when they're moving, whereas when Livio does art, his action shots looks like it's almost basically just like a portrait. Like, anything from Livio's stuff could basically be blown up and put in a museum to be sold. And before we move on again, too, just Mm -hmm. with the universe ending, uh, the IDW universe, that is, not ours, Mm -hmm. not yet, anyway, (laughs) the... We're working on it. The... If Trump gets another term, you know... Oh, (laughs) jeez. The not collection even, not of even Canada would be safe. The collection of artists they found. So we started with guys like EJ Sue and added people Nick Roach, Alex Milne, uh maybe you mentioned Jack Lawrence, who we're about to get to, uh Chezama, uh, uh and now I feel real bad, I can't remember her name. Worked with Margaret Scott, Sarah oh. Pitcher de Roche, there yeah. we go. Sarah uh, yep. All of them, just completely distinct styles. You're not yeah. going to confuse one for another, but everybody works really well. There have been so few panels or so few drawings in this entire run of 13 years that uh, stick out as not being great that it's just astounding to me. I can't remember a book or a series of books where the artwork has just been so consistently great and so consistently distinct. Uh, I mean, I've got Punisher books from probably, well, not probably, it's been about the last, wow, I have the last 18 years of Punisher books and there are entire runs of art that I just don't like. Right, yeah. And this is 13 years, and I can't think of any. Even during the Costa stuff, 
The art wasn't the issue. It was the story. Yeah, it was the story and some of the characterization. So uh, that's one thing that they're going to have a real hard time replicating with the new universe. I mean, presumably they'll have some of the same people, if not all, but... Let's hope, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, no. All of these artists, both on this series and on Lost Light slash, you know, past, present, and future, more than meets the eye kind of thing, everybody has been so great. Yes, they've all been different. You know, even the stuff that Corin Howell did on uh, the other part of the Windblade series. Yeah. Um, she has a more cartoony style. Is the best way I can put it. We had talked about it in the Windblade Distant Stars episode we've done this month. And when I see her stuff, I'm like, ooh, like there's a there's a line uh, when it comes to Margaret Scott and her writing Windblade with uh, Starscream, I fully say that Windblade and Starscream are, are an old married couple. They really are with the way that she writes them. And the way that, that Corin drew them in that story was like, you know, there's one point where Rat Trap's going on and on and on. They both turned to him and simultaneously shut up Rat Trap because Rat Trap just should not speak half the time. And I'm like, ooh, it's Windblade in G1 style. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, and her stuff reminds me uh, a lot of Sarah's mm-hmm. in the more sort of cartoony or exaggerated looks, yeah. but both of their stuff works so well with Scott's writing. Oh, and does. that's one thing, too. They matched the artists to the writers really well. And then there's some, like Milne and some of the others, that get to bounce around. But Yeah. yeah. It, it's very, very cool. Optimus Prime Volume 1, uh, for a rating 0 to 5, let's see. Um, I'm giving it a solid 4. I don't know if that helps you at all. Okay. I'm giving it with a 4 with almost sort of an asterisk that I feel bad taking anything off because everything is so spot on, but there's just so much of it. Yeah. Uh, I... Mm, I gotta give it a three and a half, only because it's, even though off and on it took me 18 hours to read through the entire volume, every time I was reading through it, I felt like I was being politically breached to, maybe, I don't know, I don't think that's really what I was feeling, but like, I'm like, okay, when is something going to happen? When when are we getting to the action shots? When are we getting to the war, the non-war, the this, the that, the actual conflict? Because most of this, and I understand, that's what John's been writing for X number of years now, and as I said earlier in this episode, it's basically, you know, his part was the political part, and the lost life was the lost life. So... I still very much enjoyed it. I just wished it was a better read, even in trade. I don't know. I'm probably talking up my ass like I normally do, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it a number. You always make me do it. I did. Three and a half. Oh, okay. Oops. That's why I was explaining the number. Sorry, I fell asleep during your rant. <laughs> this is getting expensive. So the next book before we start, uh, yes. Jack Lawrence, yes, takes over 
for it was mostly Alex Milne who worked heavily on More Than Meets the Eye. Lawrence, when he took over, took an awful lot of flack uh, online, and I think a lot of it is unjust. It's people comparing artists. I don't think that's a good idea. Different styles, et cetera, et cetera. Having said that, though, I will say Lawrence, it takes him a couple issues to find his legs. I think, particularly in trade, I noticed how much better he got as time went on. And then reading issue 21 today, his art is absolutely perfect for that. But by the end of the trade here, it's fantastic. His stuff with Megatron in the Functionalist universe that we'll get into, why he's there, etc., etc., is fantastic. And the backgrounds, everything. So yeah, it took him a bit of time. I think the work in issue one and two is not indicative of what he's capable of or what he's doing by issue five and six. Right, yeah. And see, I had almost the opposite effect. Oh, I love Alex Milne's art. I was, like, ready for a change on it. I know that's probably blasphemous, but that's just the way I that's felt fine. about it. And when I first saw the cover of Lost Light number one, issue one, when the issues were still coming out, um, I'm like, ooh, are we going into Shattered Glass here? Because Roddy got a repaint, and I'm like, what the hell? So in terms of the issue, hey, remember back in Slaughterhouse, the arc before issue, well, actually it's a couple arcs, before 50 of More Than Meets the Eye, we right. briefly saw Rewind's memories getting overwritten from a universe where Megatron was never born. Right. And it's a universe where your alternate mode determines your function. Thus, right. the functionalist the universe. universe. And I found it interesting that that ended up being a tease. Because in this book... So at the end of More Than Meets the Eye, we had a number of Transformers rescued by the Necrobot just before the moment of their death. And they all are awakened when we open here. And we're told the story kind of by two new characters, Anode and Lug. And meanwhile, Rodimus and his Rodimus group are trying to transport off of the world to try to get help, and not to mention to get the Lost Light back from Getaway. Yes. And they end up in the Functionalist universe, which I didn't think we were ever going to see that again. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's neat that we did, because I think it's interesting. It's kind of a, it's a this is your life. You know, it's Jimmy Stewart seeing, you know, what things were without... It's it's a wonderful life without the Christmas connotations or anything. Yeah, exactly. And the crazy thing is, you know, I when it comes to that movie, I subscribe to uh, Batman's logic of it. Uh, Christmas with the Joker from Batman the Animated Series. Kevin Conroy says, huh, it's a wonderful life. I could never get past the title because he's never seen it. And that's how I've always come to... Mm with that i've seen the movie because hello whatever network it ends up on it's just like a christmas story 
play it all the friggin' time every year. So, but you're right. That's essentially what this is. This is like, hey, this is your life kind of a thing. And what I love right now in Volume 1 with, 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 with these characters with Rodimus and Company, the whole repaint thing, I love that because, hello, I've never not liked a black and blue or black and purple blue Roddy. So, um, but what I, I think that, like, we were talking about uh, one of the other episodes that we did recently about who the main characters are or what the, what the main character would be to follow. In this, there are so many to follow. However, what I loved was Rodimus and Megatron. Yeah, their relationship continues to grow. Not to mention Megatron and Magnus. Yep. Who are also kind of at the heart of this book. And their relationships are completely different. Yeah. And, yeah, Rodimus is... So, back when we were doing 50, I commented that I wasn't sure Rodimus was growing. And it was kind of annoying that he was not... He had kind of taken steps backwards as a character, because, I mean, he tried to use Chrome Dome knowing that it was hurting him to do what he was doing. Uh, I don't yeah. want to get back into this yeah. plot, but anyway. Uh, and, yeah, as Rewind points out to him, he's just an enabler. He lets people or helps people do whatever it is they want to do. And even if it's something they shouldn't be doing. So, yeah. Uh, in this series, Rodimus gets a lot better, I found. Mm-hmm. He was kind of back to himself. He had kind of learned things. So, yeah, we... Really, the book split into two parts. We have Cyclonus and Tailgate... Uh, as well as Brainstorm and Nightbeat, still on Necroworld. And at the other point, we have Rodimus, Megatron, and Magnus as kind of the main ones, although Terminus and Roller are a little important as well in the Functionalist universe. There is so many things in this that I absolutely love. This first volume is amazing. I mean, I know it's James and whatever else, but the art, the way it's designed, the writing... The moment where Megatron is in front of Ravage's grave, that was a nice touching moment in the beginning of this. And then all, you know, James has this nice touching moment. Goodbye, dear friend. The world is emptier now, but you live on in its echoes. All of a sudden, Nightbeat punches out, you know, the flowers, and he and Rung pop up out of the ground. (laughs) Yeah, and we also, in terms of uh, remembering death from the previous issue, we also have Rung finally finding out that Skids has died after yeah. their sort of awkward goodbye yeah. in the previous one. That was also sad. Uh, Rung gets a lot to do in this, too. So in the Functionalist universe, Rung is one of the most important characters because he transforms, supposedly, into something useless. And in this, he's been turned into something else by the Functionalists. Uh, I don't want to spoil everything, Go through yeah. every beat, yeah, no, but yeah. in a lot of ways. So I mentioned it before. This is it's a wonderful life for Megatron, who gets to see a universe where he didn't even exist. And this mm-hmm. is after multiple issues, actually, really an entire season 
of the theme being you reap what you sow for Megatron and him having a pretty miserable time. Here he gets to... He kind of gets to start to do it all over again. And that would end up being the final theme of this issue, by the way, because he ends up stuck in the functional universe, functionist universe, there we go, and gets to restart everything, possibly doing it different, who knows? Maybe we'll find out later on, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, But the... The way in which it all happens is interesting. There's an awful lot of political commentary in this. Yeah. Uh, specifically towards Brexit and also a bit towards a certain president. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that um, from issue two onwards, Rodimus is basically on point with all of it, like, as I'm reading this, I stopped almost every single panel and just screenshotted Rodimus and put it on the full bag Facebook page because, oh my god, it's just so funny. Um, yeah, and so for the other character beats uh, we have here, uh, I, so first of all, I want to mention that I kind of wish this had lasted an issue longer in terms of the trade because actually the next issue is very much a denouement to all of this. Uh, but one of the bigger revelations is that Tailgate is going through spasms when he sleeps. Right. And Cyclonus has been keeping him from killing himself. Right. Uh, unbeknownst to Tailgate, but... Which eventually basically nearly destroys Cyclonus. Yeah, it's tearing Cyclonus apart, literally, yeah. and killing him. And Whirl, seeing that the two of them never talk to each other, Whirl decides to just tell Tailgate all this. And we can see the fallout of that in the next issue. I kind of wish it had been included here. Yeah, that should Because of the split, that just sort of peters out. But that's one of the major storylines going on. Uh, The other major storyline I alluded to or mentioned is, in the end... Uh, Terminus tricks Megatron and gives Megatron the chance he's seemingly always wanted, which is to live his life over again or start the Decepticons over again. Possibly not as the Decepticons, so be curious to see. Uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But uh, we'll find out. And the other one I found interesting, so I mentioned before, was... We start through the eyes of two new characters, Anode and Lug. Anode is messed up, and due to some guilt and personal trauma, we discover something. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, She's messed up, and her annoyingness and that sort of thing is deliberate, and it's also a front for the fact that she's suffering some pretty severe PTSD. One thing the Transformers, more than meets the eye, and Lost Light have not shied away from is discussions on mental illness, and there's another solid one here. So, yeah, that's the kind of other big, I'd say, storyline going on. I love in issue five, where Nightbeat essentially psychologizes Rung, basically plays doctor for Rung. (laughs) 
Because Rung doesn't have his job anymore. He hadn't been a psychologist in a while. Yeah, he resigned, and yeah. Rung's hurting because his best friend just died. His last words to him were just kind of, eh. <laughs> yeah. See you around, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, eyebrows. Uh, and that's it. So he's dead. Rung's feeling pretty useless at this point. He's lost his job and everything else. Uh, again, wish the next issue had been included. Because <laughs> yeah. in the denouement, he gets told the story of the Rung from the functional Functionist universe. And so, yeah, that gets closed off in the next issue. It's one of those things that, so normal story arcs are six issues, and then they start the next one. For whatever reason, Roberts decided this would essentially be a seven-issue arc, and not including the last part, gives some of this some weird feels to it. I'm also not helped by having, being up-to-date either, so, if anyone's listening to this and they haven't read these series, first of all, for the love of God, read the IDW Transformers stuff. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, read the Furman stuff so you get the basis of the universe. Uh, then skip uh, All Hail Megatron. Uh, yeah. then, then never read any of the Mike Costa stuff. However, if you can get a hold of it, just find it online or buy the issue from Comixology. Read the stuff that's co-written by Roberts because mm -hmm. it's the basis for Last Stand of the Wreckers and everything after. Then just jump right in with Last Stand. Go buy that trade. It's amazing. Quite possibly the best single Transformers trade. It's definitely up there. You could, actually, I think as of this month, as of August 2018, I think you can actually get the Wreckers Saga in trade, because I remember seeing this Oof, that's a, good deal. a few months ago. Um, oh, the Wreckers. Yeah. yeah, the Wreckers books are fantastic. Last Stand, Sins, and the One-Shot Requiem that, that, uh, that came Requiem is Yeah, Requiem is such a feel-good story, you know. Everybody gets a happy ending, and all the Wreckers are... They hold hands and everyone's happy. The other moment in this that I absolutely love is, well, first of all, I have to say, I don't know because I haven't been really reading this stuff as it's happened. Has Roller been around for a while now? Or is he just here now? No, Roller's been in a lot of flashbacks and the speculation forever was that Roller was Tarn. Okay. Uh, oh. I remember so, that part. Yeah. yeah, side note. So Tarn was actually Glitch, who we also saw in a number of flashbacks. Uh, it should be noted that Glitch is one of the person, one of the people listening to Megatron in the other universe oh. at the end. So I'm legitimately curious if we're going to see <laughs> Tarn yeah. again. But anyway. Okay, so the uh, reason why I say this is because... This is the first I'm time, by the way, that Roller's been brought to the present. We've seen okay. him a ton in flashbacks. He's been mentioned. He was mentioned a lot before he was finally shown. Does he actually have anything to say or lines in the past? Yes. Okay, so and I it, have And not, in fact, I don't he appeared in More Than Meets the Eye. When Rodimus and co. went back in time to save... To eventually save Megatron and prevent the Functionalist universe... 
Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, remember, it was off, or sorry, Orion Roller. Pax and Orion Pax, Roller yeah. and his team. That's right. I remember that now. Okay, the reason why I said that is because I was asked that is because the moment that he and Megatron have in this, I love that. Where you know he's like, oh, when uh, during the battle, um, yep. when or the whatever you want to call it, the skirmish or whatever. And Megatron's giving all these orders, and Roller's like, hmm, you kind of remind me of someone I used to know. I think you met him once, Orion, Optimus Prime. Ah, uh, yeah, like, that to me just, like, Megatron basically taking that, at, and which it is a compliment, but, like, the thing of it is, folks, we grew up with 84. We grew up with the G1 Transformers. We grew up with Optimus, and, Optimus Prime and Megatron basically being enemies. Not necessarily hating each other, but being enemies. This whole brotherhood thing didn't start until, you know, the last 12 or so years or whatever. So seeing that and just going back to when I was a kid and, you know, thinking about all of it, I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. That's a nice moment for Megatron in this and the ending I, is also a nice moment for him too because yeah. we all know who it is that's responding to him uh and he'll get the chance to be in one of the things that happened in the series where they went back in time again was Megatron had the conversation with Orion Pax and Megatron right. has done all of these horrible things and Orion has just met the Megatron of the past before he's done all that. And there's very much a sense that they should have been friends, but obviously couldn't because they ended up diametrically opposed. So yeah, it works here. It, their conversation in that was fantastic where Optimus said there'd always be a place for him if he can find his way. Um, yeah, the way this ends is just leaves you on such a cool cliffhanger that, you know, when we get to volume two later this month, you'll be like, oh, hey, so that's what that was or whatever. That's how that was supposed to do. The, uh, the alternate covers for this trade, for these issues, I have two favorites. The one by, and I'm going to butcher the hell out of this name, folks, uh, Sajid Sahi? I could be, I'm proud. It's the Rodimus and Megatron one, where Megatron is standing behind Rodimus and firing his fusion cannon. I love that. I think that's a great cover. The fact that uh, Timothy Lim basically repurposed the... Transformers, the movie poster, to be Transformers, the Lost Light. Oh my god, I want that framed on my wall. That's yeah, amazing. Nice. That is super nice. Like, if there was a print of that anywhere outside of, you know, this this trade or whatever, or the actual cover for that issue, like, I would love that. I absolutely love that. That is so cool. I like most of the, uh, well, not yeah. most of it, I like all of the covers for this the final one of megatron and surrounded by or punching at all of the functionalists too is a personal favorite yeah that one's very cool um i love the uh again as i said this is basically megatron and rodimus story for me uh the one by nelson daniel which is 
Rodimus and Megatron in robot mode in the background there, and then their alt modes. Basically, Rodimus is chasing it, or they're racing, chasing after him. I love that. The one that Joanna LaFuente did of, I assume it's Rodimus. It looks like him, from the, but it basically he's yeah. looking at he's looking out at the world there. I'm like, ooh, I can put that and the Optimus one from Optimus Prime together, and it would be like this big thing of Optimus and Rodimus. That would be cool. <laughs> Um, but no, this was super fun. I really dug this story. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it's weird for me because in the end, I'm actually going to... So I'm giving it a 4 out of 5. And I'm actually going to say it's down a bit from a lot of the best of More Than Meets the Eye. But it's also sort of a restart. And this is the beginning of Season 3. And it felt like everybody, Roberts included, is just kind of finding their voice again. Yeah. And it's still quite good. I still enjoy it a lot. And just, it's not as, uh, it's close. It's just not as even or as non, I guess I'd say, as some of his other works. Also, I mean, I'm putting it up against his work has been near perfect since... Gee, I don't know, since he started. Why is Roberts calling you? Uh, that is my phone. And it's Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. So, in, in my continuing... James, that's Trent Reznor, uh, my pal. James Roberts has heard this podcast. We're not even live. We're recording this. And he's like, I'm going to call that Canadian guy because he shouldn't be saying negative I gave it an out of eight out of ten, and yeah. and said it was down for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I. It's still really good. It's just the yeah. watermark just continues to be ridiculously high for this series, and it's almost unfortunate to have to Live rate to it that. against itself. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Like, this is the third season of his story. This is the quote-unquote final season of his story because with the universe ending, he actually gets to put an end on his story. And who knows? I mean, with how talented James Roberts is, he can go on to do anything. It doesn't matter where he goes. If he stays at IDW, great. We'll have another story with him or whatever on whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be Transformers. He can go to Marvel. He can go to DC. He can go wherever he wants. Um, I'd love to see him with really any superhero comic, even if it's just a one shot or couple issue arc or something like that. I just would really like to see it. I want to see him try something different. I think he's more than versatile enough. Oh, so absolutely. Um, now my phone's I, playing Breaking Bad. Why can't I get through? Why, so why is why, it only why is during, Andrew text messaging you? No, it's not him this time. So uh, uh-huh. why is it only during pull bag episodes my phone goes I, off? I don't know. I'm not sure. It is never it goes off a, when we record anything else. Yeah, if this was a Mayhem Mike's episode, I'd be like, why is Vincent Man calling you? <laughs> um, for me, I'm gonna give it a four and a half. I was thoroughly enriched with this story. I love the art. Jack Lawrence is doing great things with these characters. I love his Megatron. I love his Rodimus. Um, the only thing I'll say about James's writing 
It has nothing to do with flashbacks or any of that kind of stuff or anything. This is a full-on character book, and there are so many characters in this, it's hard to follow <laughs> some of them. Some of them, not all of them. Uh, part of it, too, is the way you're reading it. I'm So if I was loaning this out to somebody, mm-hmm. I'd tell them to just kind of stick with it, right? Like, just keep reading it start to finish and we'll have that option again because the universe is actually ending which <laughs> yeah. is nice in your case you're you know the last time you read more than meets the eye with a lot of these characters 10. yeah but that was what when did we record year, that it was a, a year, year ago. ago so yeah. that makes it more difficult and even reading it month to month because the focus shifts on characters often enough. I think it's just easier to read in trade, or easy, easier to, or, yeah. or easier to read when you've got everything there. It is easier to read it, and like I said, I enjoyed Lost Light Volume One more than I enjoyed Optimus Prime Volume One. However, there are just like certain characters, uh, like how we often say, "Oh." WWE could have cut out the first hour and a half of Raw and it would have been fine. We wouldn't have like cut out all the unimportant... I'm not saying the story here, any of the bits are unimportant. The stuff with uh, AdNode and all that, that, that's important, but like for me, I'm more interested in what's going on with like Rodimus and Megatron or Rung and Nightbeat or Cyclonus and Tailgate. I didn't really care all that much for Ad- AdNode or whatever... That one character with lungs and all that. Um, But yeah, still, four and a half out of five. I very much enjoyed this. and I can't wait to read more of it. And you guys will hear us the next time uh, when we do volume two for each of these series uh, in a couple of weeks. um, When we do uh, episode 323, we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back and talk about some of the uh, solicitations coming up for this series and others. We'll be back after this. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Springer here, and you are listening to all things Transformers. Such heroic nonsense. We are back, and to close it out, we're going to be talking about the IDW Publishing October 2018 solicitations. We're going to start with Star Trek versus Transformers, number two of four. Uh, John Barber, Mike Johnson on writing, Philip Murphy on art. Uh, the Enterprise is burning, brought down by the united forces of the Klingons and Decepticons. Captain Kirk and Optimus Prime have a plan to strike back, but can they bring their scattered Starfleet crew and the Autobots together before Megatron wipes them out? This no-holds-barred Saturday morning mashup continues. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, I will say, full-on spoilers for everybody right now. So if you don't want to hear this, press pause, turn it off, whatever. Transformers Unicron, number six of six. Barber on writing, Milne on art. Uh, Earth War, with Unicron's ultimate goal revealed, the shaky alliance of Autobots and Decepticons is all that stands between Earth and and the planet eater heroes will rise and fall as optimus prime journeys into the dark heart of unicron for the final confrontation with evil at stake the soul of a universe bullet points for this is this is it the end of an era finishing off 13 years worth of 
continuity with a bang. Double-sized story for the ages. Don't miss the cover by the man who introduced the IDW Age of Transformers, EJ Sue. And then, so this, I'd like to point out, the solicitation contains absolutely nothing that we haven't seen. Right. I mean, he literally went into Unicron to explore him in issue two that yeah. you mentioned you'd read. So. Yeah, I know. And I'm just saying, I don't, like, I haven't read over these solicitations, so I don't know if there are going to be spoilers. That's why I put that out there. No. Um, Trust me, there's none in the next one, too. <laughs> Lost Light? Yep. Uh, Lost Light number 25, More Than Met the Eye. The quest is over, the dust is settled, and everything has changed forever. But before the fond farewells, before the parting of ways, before the unkept promises to stay in touch... There's time, surely there's time for one last drink. Oh, of course, there's no spoilers there. They're all drunk robots. Hello. The finale, uh, the main cover, I think it's cover A. Uh, anyway, the cover A of the Shadow of the Lost Light following Rodimus, and it has a bunch of the items from different points of the series. Right. It's fantastic. And the little items, if you can name where they're from or which issue or that kind of thing, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. I can, but <laughs> I love the series. Yep, it's so good. Uh, so yeah, that's also an extra long issue. Basically, all of the, uh, Unicron, Lost Light, and Optimus Prime are all extra long final issues. Uh... Optimus Prime 25, Barbara and Zama. End of the road. The battle is over. Heroes have fallen. Worlds have died. Now Optimus Prime faces his final ordeal. As past, present, and future collide, who will stand with him? And when it's all over, who will carry the mantle of Prime? So I'm hoping it's kind of a denouement to the series and an end. Or at least I hope they get to do something with sort of after... I Unicron, think, even yeah. if it's just an issue. Yeah. I think this is, like, part of the bullet notes here. It says ties into the Unicron event. Part of the Summer of Transformers, all building up to the end of the universe as we know it. And now all I can think of is that R.A.M. song. Um, but yeah. Well, it's, it is the end of the universe. As we know it. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm super stoked to see what happens. I'm cautiously optimistic on whatever that comes next whether it's something in this or something that's new different and whatever so who knows it's a long road ahead of us yep. so all right folks where can the people find you online sir at nightbeat on twitter there ask me go. transformers questions ask me wrestling questions that's ask right. me why i do this podcast i don't know what it's not my sparkling personality wow already then click um all right i am at tft and mike on twitter you can also follow at the pullbag and at geekcast radio on twitter check us out on facebook as well coming up next week I'm, i know one host is joining me i don't know if the other one is or not yet because we haven't really talked about it but Next week in issue episode 321, it's going to be Lady Wreck and myself talking about Requiem for the Wreckers. So 
if Ryan wants to be on that, he can since he was on Sins, but... So there's that. Alright, so in the finale, uh, Overlord throws a party for everyone, and they all hug it out. Uh Alrighty then. We're gonna get the heck out of here, make your greatest game in the comics, and we will catch you next time here inside The Pullback. You've just heard the latest episode of The Pullback the GCRN's first comic review and discussion podcast. There are several ways to get in touch with us and leave feedback for the show. You can visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can comment on the episode and all of our different podcasts. You can rate and leave a review for the show on iTunes. Be sure to leave us feedback. Become a fan of us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thepullbag. Send us an email, feedback at geekcastradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at ThePullBag and at GeekCastRadio. So until next time, make your great escape into comics and unleash the geek in you.